You know, last week we started a 21-day fast. Everybody know that? Everybody know that? You all should know that. The question is how many have already blown your fast? Probably within six hours, I probably blew it. And here's the reality of fasting. Before we jump into the message today, I want to just make a statement about this because I feel like it's important for us as a church family that we continue to war together, that we continue to stay focused together, that we don't lose sight because we messed up and because we messed up, we might not even try anymore. No, that's not the... His grace is sufficient. See, so you mess up, just go, I messed up, repent, move on, right? Don't, don't live in that area of shame and guilt to like, I am, I'm a lose. No, it's reality. We all do it, bounce back, jump into it, and listen to what the Father's trying to say to us in this moment, in this hour. When fasting, I, I, I feel like things are heightened, like my senses are heightened, my awareness is heightened. What I'm thinking about, there's an intensity in this, in this area of fasting, and our areas of weakness are also, I think, heightened. Areas of desire are heightened. Don't, don't get me wrong. I think I've already said, I'm not good at fasting. I don't know a lot of people that are great at it. I struggle. But I feel on one hand, I, I'm like this pathetic wanderer looking for the easy way. Like if I just figure out a way to do fasting easy, I can do that. But how many know there's no easy way around fasting? As much as I'm a wanderer looking for an easy way out, there's the tension that I'm really hungry for more of Jesus. I want to be more aware of his goodness. I want to be more aware of his kindness. I want to be more aware of who he is. And through this process of fasting, I know that that happens. So before we begin this morning with the message on David, I want us, if you would, to stand with me, and I want us to go ahead and just pray together as, it, as, as we pray for this season of fasting. So stand together, and I want to pray some scripture over us, because listen, God is calling us in this season, in this hour, to step into places we've never been before. He's calling us into a lifestyle that maybe we've never been at before, a level that we've never been at before. He's calling us out of a complacency. He's calling us sometimes out of a maybe lethargy and laziness. He said, I need you to step into these areas so I can use you in a way that I've destined to use you. Most of us in this room, uh, there's so much more that God wants to pour out into you and he wants to use you for his goodness and for his glory. But sometimes I think we're a little bit afraid. We're like, you can't use me. And the Lord says, no, you're exactly the person I want to use. So through fasting and through our praying, God will show you things. He will begin to reveal things to you. And through your act of obedience, you step into that place and say, Father, help me to live this. Help me to believe this. Help me to activate this in my life. Scripture says in Isaiah 40, 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. How many want to see an increase in your life? Psalm 73, verse 26 my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Yes. Philippians 4.13, I love this, one of my favorites. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Amen? Come on, let's pray together for these 21 days of fasting and prayer. 
that at the end of 21 days, we would see tremendous breakthrough. We would sense in the atmosphere over our church family that God has definitely spoken and given us direction. And the things that are holding us back will no longer be a hindrance. But we will see a way through it for his glory. Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for what I sense during worship, God. Father, there's a hunger in this house. I just want to acknowledge. I pray, Holy Spirit, that these 21 days of prayer and fasting, we would come out of it not only victorious, but having met you in a way we've never met you before. As we lay things down, I pray that you would put things in its place that will bring fulfillment. I pray God for things that are, I pray, for, I pray God for the things that have become um, easy for us. It's easy to sit down with a meal and just watch our favorite shows for hours. I, I pray God you would show us ways that we can spend more time with you and to know you like we've never known you before. Oh, that I might know Christ and make him known. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. You can be seated. Hey, Ken, have me my coffee. Thank you. All right. We've been, we started a series last week on David. How many love David? What a great message Pastor Josh preached. And this morning, we're going to jump right back into this. 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, please turn there with me. If you don't, um, it might be up on the screen. I hope it's on the screen. If it's not, I think it will be. 1 Samuel chapter 17 is where we are. Say, I'm there. If you're there, say, I'm there. Okay. All right, here we go. We're talking about David, First Samuel chapter 17. And the thing about David that there's so many things that we can learn from David's life. But one of the things that we're going to touch on this morning is that of the shepherd boy, David. Now, we all know chapter 17 of First Samuel is a famous chapter. It's, it's the David and Goliath chapter. Even people that don't know Jesus or don't go to church know about David and Goliath. And we can't help but touch on 1 Samuel 17 as if we talk about giants. We cannot help but touch on this today. But the underlying theme of 1 Samuel chapter 17, I believe is Psalm 23, we talk about the great shepherd. David, as much as he was a warrior, was a shepherd warrior. He was a man after God's heart. And the reason he was a man after God's heart, I believe we're going to find, is because they understood the heart of the Father and he had compassion for those he led. So let's jump into this this morning. And see what we can learn. The shepherd boy who fights giants. I would, I would say that, I wouldn't say, it's just a fact. A number of years ago, you've heard this a little bit, but I want to use it as an illustration that it's going on, uh, what, 20, 21, 22, three years ago. Um, I had a heart attack. And it did not, it wasn't something that I felt coming on. It was something that just suddenly appeared. Uh, I knew something was wrong. And as I lay on the grass in our backyard with my face in artificial turf, not the most comfortable thing, 
And I'm thinking, what's going on? I knew that something was definitely troubling going on inside my body. And quickly, Candy um, took me to the hospital, and we quickly found out that I had a heart attack. Here's what I want to talk about for just a moment. Most giants, as we were going to read in 1 Samuel Samuel's chapter 17, have something in common. When giants appear in our life, they don't typically come over the course of time. They, they suddenly come upon us. In this case, I had a heart attack. Fortunately, we're doing well. We're moving forward. But the reality was it hit me quite hard. It was looming that I could die. In that moment, I thought, maybe I'm not going to make it out of this hospital. Maybe I'll never again see my grandkids, my wife, my family. But it kind of surprised us. See, King David was probably a normal, in the normal scheme of his life, he went to the, to the battle lines on a consistent basis for supplies. He, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, that he was instructed by his father to go back and forth and bring supplies to the front line for his brothers. And as he did, a giant appeared on the scene. Life is like that. Out of the routine, normal day-to-day stuff emerges a giant, a challenge, a mountain, a problem, a surprise. Those numbers aren't the right numbers. The car isn't starting this morning. Uh, I've been warned more than once not to be late. Uh, You have got cancer. um, And you arrive at these new um, facts with a surprise in your heart. Three people didn't show up today, so you have to work overtime. That means missing the piano recital that you you're promised to attend for your child. Oh, I thought I'd get some money back this year from taxes, but now I've got to pay extra. What do you mean I need some more tests run? And all of a sudden, life is awakened to the reality that there's giants before us. The real question becomes, how do we face the giants that will come our way? I think we can learn much from the life of this young, passionate shepherd boy whose heart was like his father God's, David. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 11. Let's go ahead and jump into that. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed. And it says they were terrified. Really? I mean, I know I wasn't there, but you would think there would have been a group, a few of them in that group that would have been cocky, misinformed, strong soldiers that would have said, we can take him. Let's go. But it says no. It says they all turned and in dismay were terrified verse 24 says when they saw when the Israelites saw the man they all ran in great fear they all ran like everyone ran that just blows my mind but but I guess if you've never seen a 10-foot giant who weighs more than you do with armor taunting you well I guess you can't judge can you it reminds me of a person in the New Testament Mr. Tough Guy, Peter, who denied Jesus three times, they said, hey, aren't you one, aren't you one of them that denied, that that hung out with Jesus? And did we see you hanging around the fire with him? I know we saw you sitting at Black Rock, you know, drinking a double shot express with Jesus. I know we seen you with that man. They said, no, no, it wasn't me. I was never, I, I don't know him. 
See, David's response in 1 Samuel 17, 26 is really a response, I think, that we are to have. It says in verse 26, Then David spoke to the man who was standing by him, What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes the disgrace? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he was taunting and defied the armies of the living God? What would your response have been? What is our response when giants are facing us? Do we respond like this? Or do we respond like the rest of the soldiers and turn and run? Do we run towards the battle or do we allow the sheer size of the giant affect our ability to live like David, the young shepherd boy? Saul heard about David and he summoned him. He said, go get that boy. Let's have a conversation. And this brief interaction with David, Saul tried, tried to explain to David logical reasons why he shouldn't go and fight Goliath. But listen to what David said in an explanation of why he would defeat Goliath. First Samuel 17, look at me at thir verse 32 through verse thir 37. David said to Saul, let no man's courage fail because of him, Goliath. Your servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. And then Saul, verse 33, said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistines to fight him, for you're only a young man, and he has been a warrior since his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock. I went out after it and attacked it, rescued the lamb from its mouth, and when it rose up against me, I love this, I seized it by its whiskers and struck it and killed it. We're not talking like a little cat in your home. We're talking a lion here. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, for this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted and defied the armies of the living God. And David said in verse 37, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. I think these six verses paint a vivid picture of David's courage but also the kind of shepherd that he truly was. Let me look at a few things this morning as it reflects the shepherd warrior David. The first thing I want to hear this talk about this morning is remember the victories of the past. I believe every single person in this room has been in a place of victory. You've seen the giant defeated. You've got past it. You saw God's hand in it. And those are the things that we want to talk about this for a moment. David recalls here in these verses how God delivered him in the past in order to trust his deliverance in the future, in the present, excuse me. And we've all had our share of giants in the past. Never forget the victories that God has provided. Never forget God's goodness and kindness in your life. Never forget how he gave you a way out of a difficult place. Remember when Israel crossed the Jordan, the Lord said, I want you to stack up a pile of rocks. Why do we stack those pile of rocks? To remember. Yeah. To remember. Psalm 77, I'm going to turn there. Psalm 77 verse 11 says this. 
I will solemnly remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on your works and thoughtfully consider all your deeds. Your way out, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have demonstrated your power among the people. Verse 15 says, you have with your great arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. I remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles. Remember the victories of the past. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistines. Remember what God did for you in the past so you can contend for your today. The second thing I want to look at is focus on God rather than the giant. Here's where the heart of God was developed in this young shepherd warrior. His life in the fields with his deep developed sheep developed his heart as a true shepherd and soon to be king. There's some things I want to talk about as it relates to him as the shepherd in the wilderness while he kept his father's sheep. The first thing I'd like to make note of is possession and provision of the sheep. These are the qualities, these are the things that help develop David into the soon-to-be king. First of all, he assures King Saul that although he was but a youth, his work as a shepherd had prepared him for the task of facing up to Goliath. Even though the giant had been at war from his youth, in saying, your servant kept his father's sheep, found in 1 Samuel 17, 32-34, the word kept that he uses has the sense of tending or pasturing, or where we get our word pasturing. Evidencing a concern for the all-round being of the flock, his sheep. Such concern led him to, to put his own life in danger against a lion and a bear to protect those unable to protect themselves. Isn't a shepherd's heart? Honestly, that's what you get from Pastor Josh. That's what you get from true pastors is their concern is more for you than it is for themselves. They live a life that most people in the church don't even, can't necessarily comprehend. David is demonstrating here how much he cared for his father's sheep, even to the decree that he was willing to fight the lion and the bear. In Psalm 79, 13, it shows that as being just how God sees his people, speaking of the people in his pasture, those for whom he accepts full and intimate responsibility. He reminds them and us that we are his flock and the flock of his pasture. He says, it's my flock that has the needs and it is my pasture which I will provide and make available which needs meets those needs. How else did David show such heart and concern for his sheep? The psalmist says of God, he chose David also his servant and took him from the sheepfold from following the ewes with great young, great young. Here's what it says, pregnant ewes would find traveling more difficult than, for example, the, the young rams. But in David's eyes, all members of the flock were equally important. So although it no doubt required a great deal of patience, he followed behind to ensure that none of them strayed or got caught off 
or wandered away. Such a policy was put into effect in a far wider way later on when he brought, was brought by God to feed Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by his skillfulness of his hands. His heart concern was matched and enhanced by ongoing practical activity. So here we have a good example of the way that Scripture promises that he, God, shall feed his flock like a shepherd, but much more than that, he shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. That really is beyond human comprehension as it relates to the life of David the shepherd, that he had such a heart for God, they understood these principles while caring for the flock that God does and uh, can and does care for his people with such tenderness and patience. So remember what God said through Ezekiel. He said, you are men and I'm your God. Ezekiel 34, 31. And it is that which makes the seemingly incredible, not just a possibility, but a reality. David understood how to care for the flock. He had a deep heart that resonated from his love for God. The second thing I want you to look at is the protection of his sheep. For the potential danger in David's sheep sometimes developed into actual danger in the form of aggressive attack. In his discussion with Saul, when he told him of his exploits with a lion and a bear, David showed that his presence with the flock was not just a deterrent, but an evidence that he would more resolutely to counter any any type of attack. One such attack was at first successful, a lamb being actually snatched from the flock. David could say, though, I went after him, the attacker, and took him down to deliver it out of his mouth, but still the attacker wasn't finished. It says, he arose against me, and I caught him, took him down, slew him. First Samuel 17, 35. That was a complete deliverance, a lamb rescued from certain death, and the attacker destroyed. The writer to the Hebrews shows that the Lord Jesus accomplishing fully that of what David's exploit was a mere foreshadowing. And it shows that very purpose of his coming into this world as a man. For as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him, that the power of death, that is the devil, of whom the lion and the bear were pictures, and deliver them through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Here's what it says. The immeasurable difference between Jesus and David is, is encapsulated in the phrase through death. And Jesus was prepared to hazard his life or to, to give his life away, but not required to make the ultimate sacrifice. The Lord Jesus could say, I lay down my life for the sheep. Old Testament pictures, types, and shadows are illuminating and instructive, but at least they are pale reflections of the realities of Calvary. Remember that all things happen under them for, for, to be an example, and they are written for our admonition. Admonition here has more the idea of a warning and is translated as such in the King James Version. Paul, the very writer who associate the record of past happenings as being for our admonition, reminds us also that whatsoever things were written were written for our learning and, we through, and that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Romans 15, four, 
These two approaches evidence rounded shepherd care. Warnings to protect against danger and continued ongoing concern for our well-being. You see, David was the perfect shepherd. As he, as he watched over the sheep, as he spent time with the sheep alone, with no one else for days, weeks on end, David would pull out his, his instrument of, 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 of choice like a, a recorder and begin to play music and begin to spend time in the presence of God. And there's only one way that, that David could have learned these principles of being a shepherd was through his relationship with God. His heart and compassion as demonstrated through the sheep and the care for the sheep is a reflection of the kind of king he would become. There's some patterns in this shepherd boy's life. And when we think about the actions of, a, of him as a shepherd, we get a glimpse of even greater shepherd, the greater shepherd's heart of God concerning the sheep and the Lord Jesus concerning his own sheep. By what actual way does such love, care, and concern come to the Lord's people, come to us? Speaking to God of the Israelites' long and wearisome 40-year journey through the wilderness, it says, you led us like people like a flock, so it was God that was leading, but he was doing so by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Those two, like David, on occasion failed and sometimes failed badly. But the person who had chosen and appointed them didn't fail. So the Israelites were led safely through the wilderness and eventually over Jordan into the promised land. Let me say it this way before I give you the third and final point. A similar situation applies to us today. The personal care of the Lord Jesus does not and never will change. But as he himself said, now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. He has in consequence entrusted the sheep, his own sheep, into the, to the hands of appointed leaders. That is not an arbitrary imposed appointment. It requires both spiritual aspiration. If anyone aspires to exercise oversight, he desire, desires a good work, 1 Timothy 3.1. But neither of these implies perfection. James says, when speaking specifically of leaders, in many things we offend all. So all spiritual gifts, and there are many other, others besides shepherding, need to be carried out as the ability which God gives. The result look for, including as it does the blessing of his people, is that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus, to whom we praise and give glory to God forever and ever. The third thing I want to give to you, first thing was understanding that the shepherd boy who learned to, to, to fight giants, he Remember victories of the past. The second thing we looked at was our focus needs to be on God. And the third and final thing is this, is that use what God has given you. David didn't use the armor of Saul. It didn't feel right because it wasn't him. The battle was the Lord's, not the armor. Have you ever thought about the faith of Saul? He placed the fate of his army and the people of Israel in the hands of a shepherd boy with a sling fighting a giant with a sword. You, know, you and I sometimes need some help from each other to defeat the giants in our lives. Remember the victories of the past, spend time using that as a, a way of, of focus, but don't get stuck there. 
Focus on God, not the giant, and use what and who God has given you. David had five little stones, and he took the one stone and defeated a big giant. What has God given to you to use against your giants? Is it patience? Is it love? Is it grace? Is it whatever you find in your hand and your heart, use those to come against the giants. Don't get stuck in the past. Focus on God, not the giant, and use what God has given to you. What giants do we face today as a banner church? What giants do we contend for right now? We've got a new building we're moving into. We need, we need approval of the city so we can get into the building and begin to, to demolish the inside so we can rebuild. We, the giants, what are we facing now? We've become more, I think, more established in Mesa. We've, we've, we're on the move. God's moving our, in our services. We seem to have this, this, this expectation and a sense that God is moving. What, what is our, our, our giants that we continue for? Is it, is it breaking 200? Is it, is, it, is it our vision to go to two service? What is it? And I would say to you this morning that there's nothing that can stop us. There's no giant. There's no opposition. There's nothing that can stop us from what God's promised and planned for our church. No weapon fashioned against us is going to prosper. Saul and his army said, we can't, we can't, we can't. David said, we can, we can, we can, and God can. If our focus is on God rather than a giant, limits are not a part of the picture. Would it have been different if Goliath was 20 foot tall? No. It doesn't matter how big the giant. We must believe that God is going before us. And when a giant presents itself, we need to take on the heart of a, of a David and understand what it looks like to be a shepherd. Looks like the heart of God inside of us being manifested relationally. That's the beauty of how God works. Regardless of the challenge, whether personal or as a congregation, our task is the same. Glorify God. Run as we are made. Trust God to take care of the rest. Don't stand and look at the giant. Go down there. Stand in the water. Face the giants of our life and experience the power of God. If the band would go ahead and come up, that would be great. Father, we thank you for our capacity to see the giant before us and believe that we can take the giant down. But the big picture, I think, has to be found in the, in the place where David developed his heart for you that was found while tending his father's sheep. I just can't imagine being alone in the wilderness, taking care of smelly, stupid sheep. Learning their ways. Learning how to get them to follow. Asking God to teach him how to care for the flock 
all the while developing a vast, deep heart for the Father. Giants have been, are, and will continue to be in our lives. But the difference that separates us from the world is we have a secret sauce. We have a superpower. It's found in the person of Holy Spirit. The Father wants to nurture his intimacy with you as we spend time with him during this prayer and fasting season to be like David in the quiet moments having a conversation with God Almighty writing things down as he hears them and sees them we know that David wrote many psalms and songs those came out of his desire to know you, God. Defeating giants is subject and second only to the fact that David knew you. He was a man after your heart. I pray this morning, God, as we get ready to leave the building, I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts about where we are in our journey with you. Not questioning salvation, but just questioning where we are in this journey. I know I spend a lot of time rehearsing things in my mind that are not in your mind. I think things and say things I know you're not thinking and saying about me. And I recognize that I need to be in a better position to listen to your heart and to listen to your voice and to build my, my capacity to host you better than I have. I repent of that, God. I repent of the things I've spoken over my own heart, my own life. Lord, I'm grateful that some of the giants that we've encountered over the years not only have we defeated them, we've moved, moved beyond. And the Father, I believe it's because we are hungry for more of your presence in our life. I ask you in these moments of concluding this service that you would speak to some people here this morning about how they can confront the giants in their life. And David could go before Goliath and speak the words that he spoke about defying the army of the living God, this uncircumcised Philistine, and not be intimidated by the size or this champion, as they called him. But look him in the eye and say, you will not make a mockery of the Lord thy God. And with one simple sling, of that slingshot hit him dead in the forehead. The giant fell and the Israelites were victorious. But David did it out of the abundance of the relationship he had with you. It was an overflow. I pray God this morning that we would hunger for more of that in our lives. The overflow. Not all the activity of church and all the activity of life but God, we would be so 
close to you that when a 10-foot giant came our way, there would be no intimidation, no fear, but simply the courage of a David that said, you will not win this day. I ask you, first of all, who would acknowledge that you've got some serious giants in your life right now? Maybe it's a giant of your faith. Maybe you're questioning your faith. Or the giant that you have been diagnosed with a particular sickness or illness. Or maybe you've got a giant called children and they're not making some good choices right now and you know they're not on the right path and need God's intervention. I feel like the Lord is speaking to some this morning that finances are a giant. There just isn't enough money to make it and you don't know how you're going to get through. Whatever the giant may be this morning, the first thing is to acknowledge it and then we'll come back around and pray the prayer of defeat over that giant. But if that's you this morning, you say, I've got a giant in my life. Maybe it's Maybe it has to do with your family dynamic, a husband and wife. Maybe it has to do So if that's you this morning, you have a giant in your life, maybe more than one. It's just looming in your face. You feel like there's no way out. I want you to just lift up a hand to the Lord. Lift it up right now and just say, here I am, Jesus. I want you to take that giant that's in your, and I want you just to lay it at his feet. I want you to say, okay, here's my giant. I'm giving it to you, Jesus. I want you in your mind's eye to see you take that situation and lay it at the feet of Jesus. It's what's in your hand right now. I'm laying it down. I'm giving it to you. Can you see yourself doing that? Like David going before the giant. Can you see yourself right now? Take him what's in your hand and laying at his feet. Say, Jesus, I give this to you. The battle is yours. Now I want you to stand with me if you would, please. Stand together. Now this is where I believe we can move from a giant that's taunting us and intimidating us, laying it down. Now we're going to worship our way into his presence like King, I believe that David did all the time. I believe his worship was a way by which he entered into a heavenly place where he could hear the voice of God, where he could hear steps to take, where he could see what he needed to do and how to care for that flock. I want you right now just to begin to thank the Lord for the victory. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.